Fanfic Writers Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Joe, aka Publi Sand, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, writes online under the name Copper Dust. You'll meet her shortly. In this episode, we discuss the topic of building a writing style. We explore the question of whether fanfiction writers should strive to imitate established styles like that of the author of the source work or embrace their own unique ones. We also touch on the relationship between our own writing styles and our natural speaking voices, and I explain why I prefer a casual storytelling approach. We reflect on what we would like to change in our own styles and share our influences, including original fiction writers and specific fun fiction writers. We also answer two listener questions, one about creating different styles for different stories, and another about the balance between appreciating other people's styles and finding one's own voice. We hope you enjoy, but for now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea, and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. Welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. This is Joe. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, Lani and I are back recording this week. So how are you, Lani? How's things? Um, this is a long weekend for me, so they're particularly good because I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Oh, what, what are you celebrating? <laughs> Victoria Day. Ah, okay. I, I know that you guys in Ireland don't like to uh, acknowledge that sort of thing, but <laughs> Victoria Day is a very important holiday because... Um, where I live, like that's when you're supposed to plant your garden. And every year somebody gets a little bit too uh, arrogant and thinks, oh, the weather's good and plants Victoria, Victoria before Victoria Day. And uh, this year, that was my dad. And the plants got killed because there was frost. Uh, so we all, I always say, don't do it. I don't <laughs> care if it's good weather. Don't plant before Victoria Day. This always happens. And then you have to go and replant. So yeah, very, very important time of year for us. <laughs> That's good. Well, I did some gardening this weekend as well. So I did not know about this, but I did do some gardening and I uh, repotted a few plants and kind of did my balcony up. So I'm glad, I'm glad to know that I did that on Canadian schedule. <laughs> do British people not have Victoria Day? I don't think so. Then why do we if have to? If, if you're British, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> why Why do we have to celebrate Queen Victoria and they don't? <laughs> well, they do have like bank holiday, but bank holiday is like the first, I think it's the first weekend in June. I don't think it's now because now is now is the 21st of May for the record for anyone who's listening after this. Uh, well, Victoria Day is t- like tomorrow. It's it's the Monday. OK, so if you are British and let us know, please, if Victoria Day is, is the thing. And if you aren't, please explain why we have to celebrate her birthday and you guys don't. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm good. I've had a few um, interesting things happen to me on Tumblr today. <laughs> but if you if you want to scroll down to the 21st of may on my tumblr you will understand uh but no i've um i've argued with some people about the merits the literary merits of fan fiction and got um and in death threats for it so you know all, all things all things considered all everything is great and since everything is of course an opportunity for an advertisement make sure to listen to our first episode what is fan fiction in which we yes, more thoroughly discuss 
the topics that um, apparently got Joe death threats today um, didn't necessarily <laughs> think it was that controversial, <laughs> but... And yet, and yet. So, yeah. Anyway, so today we're recording our last episode uh, before our summer break, which I know you're all very sad about. I'm sure, no, probably not. Uh, but we are going on a break from the end of June to the beginning of September. We might release like a couple of special episodes uh, over the summer if we have time but generally speaking I've decided to kind of take the summer off to recharge and also kind of focus on writing on my end um, as you've probably like guess the podcast takes quite a lot of time for me to edit and stuff and so I wanted to be able to uh, put a little bit more work into my writing and I think Lani's got plans as well so we've decided to go on a little break but uh, before we do that uh, we wanted to kind of do an episode that would be interesting to everybody and we did a Tumblr poll on our Tumblr account and we got some results and so you guys wanted us to talk about style and therefore that's what we're going to talk to about today so kind of building your style what is style what are we uh, what do we mean by like writing style and things like that so I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion mm -hmm. and I just I just want to say Joe gets a lot of questions apparently about whether this or that of her works are based on Taylor Swift songs <laughs> and the answer in her case is always no so I know some people want to come out here and point out that you may have voted for style because it is the name of a Taylor Swift song. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't even know that. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, honestly, I have a lot of opinions on the Matt Healy, Matty Healy discourse, oh, but we're not, don't, we're don't not gonna get, get into started. that. <laughs> we're not, we're not gonna get into that today, but maybe a very, very special episode. <laughs> <laughs> I still think our Prince Harry episode is, is the funniest one. Yeah. No, fair enough. Okay. Tune in later for a uh, Matty Healy controversy episode, please. Um, no, but uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about styles. So Lani, I know that this is something that you really want to talk about as well. So what are your kind of thoughts on this um, as a little bit of an introduction? Um, I think a lot of the time when people are sort of new to writing and they're talking about artists they like, their question is always like, how do I develop my own style? Or how, how do I make my style sound more like yours if they're speaking to somebody they like? Or like, who should I sound like? And, and so I think it's kind of a, an interesting question if you're a beginner. And then if you're not a beginner, it's an interesting question, like, how has your style changed over time? Because I don't think any of us have sort of stayed the same since we started writing. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I think one of the first kind of things that I wanted to talk to you about, because I know it's come up multiple times, actually, in my comment section, is how do you reconcile, like, writing in your own style, but also writing in, you know, a fandom that is based on a book? Because I think, you know, before before HB1, I was, I was mostly writing for, like, TV shows. So obviously, when you're doing, like, when you're putting narration and a narrative style onto something that is a script kind of form you it's it's a lot I think it might be a lot easier to kind of develop your own style and your own prose because that doesn't really exist within the world of the show whereas like I think when you're writing you know fanfic of the book be it as we are Harry Potter or any other book you've mm -hmm. written other for other books as well. Like, how do you reconcile having your own style versus, you know, trying to, uh, do you, uh, have you ever tried to copy the style of the author or anything like that? 
Definitely when I started out with HP, I tried to be similar in style to JK Rowling. And I had like a pretty strict Mm -hmm. style guide for myself in terms of, you know, what would I say? What wouldn't I say? And how would I, how would I put things? But I think as time, as time went on and I discovered more stories by other people that I liked that weren't in that style, I became more interested in just writing in whatever style I like the best or whatever is my most natural style. And I, I no longer felt the need to be as similar to her. Um, I didn't feel like at the beginning, it felt like I want my, my stories to sound very authentic. I want this to sound Mm -hmm. like, like it's real sort of in inside the universe of canon that we're all familiar with. But now I guess I've moved a lot away from kind of the, t- the sort of very canon compliant stuff that I used to do sort of exclusively. And now my writing is, you know, like I'm more interested in, in AUs or in going against canon or sort of playing with canon, but not quite conforming to it. So I guess I, I don't feel that same pressure anymore. And, you know, I think I, I have a, a natural way of writing that is the sort of the me way of writing. And the reason that it feels like me is because it in, it includes details that would be of interest to me, and I guess leaves out stuff that wouldn't be of as much interest to me. So I like not having to leave out stuff that, you know, mm. that I, I tend to like. Like, for example, um, in Rowling's writing, there's maybe two product brand names that she uses across the entire series. One of them is, uh, I think, PlayStation. And uh, I don't know, I think like maybe Weedabix or something like something like ultra British like that. But she usually doesn't reference like real names of real brands. She obviously mentions like her made up fictional brands a lot. And, and I sort of was doing that when I was writing In Search of Mythical Kings. But now I feel like that's that's not really who I am. Like I'm somebody who when I write like I am interested in like lifestyle and class and brands as kind of status symbols and brands as as they relate to like where in the world you live. So I do like to mention, you know, brand names of products, designers, celebrities, whatever it is. Oh, she mentions car brands. That's the thing. She meant she mentions like the Ford Ford Anglia as a brand. But it's also a very kind of again, a very British sort of brand that's why that's why the playstation reference seems so sort of like weird and like it stood out to me because it was like one of the rare 1990s pop culture things that she does explicitly reference so i think that um you know especially if you're gonna write something that's not at the let's say pg 13 like level as the original text like you're gonna have to you know change your style compared to like the original author. Although, of course, if you're writing fix based on like a work of adult fiction that was already not PG-13, then you could stick to the original style. For me, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but like one of the reasons why, because I was always a HP fan, like I liked, you know, Harry Potter ever since, like, I think my mom got me the books when I was like six or seven and, you know, I was obsessed, but I never, like, I got into fan fiction, like most people around like 13 or something, but I, I didn't go on to the I didn't write fanfic for for Harry Potter and I didn't really go on to the HP fandom and I think one of the reasons that was not the only reason but one of the reasons was that I thought you had to write like J.K. Rowling like I was kind of like okay well like if you're gonna write Harry Potter fanfiction you have to write like J.K. Rowling and for a very long time I thought that and I didn't read in my like to be honest I didn't read HP fanfiction either and I think if I had 
I would probably have realized that like that was not the case. But I think um I, I didn't read. And so personally, and I've said this on the podcast before, I personally mm-hmm. don't really like J.K. Rowling's style. It's not something I like a lot of different things about the books, but the style of them isn't necessarily something that I enjoy. It's not something that I aspire to. And so I was kind of like, well, I'm not really interested in like copying her style, especially because I don't really like that style. And so I was just kind of like, okay, that I'm not going to write fan fiction. And I think I had this idea because again, I was writing for a lot of fandoms that were for TV shows. Like that was a lot more freedom for me because obviously, as I said in the TV show, like, yes, you have to stick to like the style, the general style of dialogue. Like you have to stick to the voices of the characters and stuff, but you have a lot more leeway in terms of how you craft narration and how you develop like your own style and stuff. And so I think like that was kind of my idea of it. And that's why I kind of stuck to TV shows for that long. And then it took, it really took me like, you know, being in lockdown and and rereading the books and being like, and also at the time I didn't really have like any big writing projects going on. So I was kind of like, oh, I'll give this a go. But I was 27 at the time. And I was kind of like, okay, I can, I can kind of see that maybe you can, you can write Harry Potter fan fiction without sticking to that style. But yeah, for a very, very long time, I thought you had to stick to that style and and I completely like I completely understand that people would want to do that and I think a lot of people like that because it gives them comfort and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but for me it felt super limiting and I just yeah it didn't it didn't feel comfortable and I didn't want to do that yeah I think I think that's something that people have to think about but I would strongly suggest like find examples of fics you like that are not in the original author's style but that you really enjoyed and that that will make you feel more free to not write in that Mm -hmm. style yeah no definitely and I think now like you know obviously I write in my own style but I think at the time it was very much something that I thought was the case you know um but so I wonder so one of the questions that you had there for discussion I think that's a very very interesting one is how do our writing styles relate to our casual natural speaking speaking styles to what extent do we speak the way we write so what do you think um I think I write quite differently than the way I speak because I think the way I write would be impossible for a person to just naturally speak that way because I I, I write very slowly and I make many, many corrections and I I spend a long time rearranging sentences and replacing words until it sounds just right. So I I don't think it would be possible for me to just casually speak that way. I mean, I would have to be like such an articulate person to to say in five seconds what takes me five minutes to write. But I I do think that in terms of what sort of things do I pay attention to versus what sort of things do I maybe neglect, that's probably similar because again, you know, your attention naturally goes to things that interest you. And if they don't interest you, then they become sort of absent. So I think I think in general, you would notice that the kind of ideas that I might point out in mm-hmm. my writing are the same ideas I might speak about, although I would be speaking about them a different way if it's in the form of fiction. I do think that I've, you know, because, and I've spoken about this before in our episode on, on dialogue and dialect, that I do do a lot of work to kind of use the proper like regional and time period based dialect that makes sense for my story rather than just the one that I naturally speak with. So I think that's another way that my speaking voice is quite different than the way I write because I'm a little bit chameleonic. Like I'll change it up based on, you know, the characters and and the setting and, and what kind of effect I'm trying to do. And like, I'll even change it up within the same story. Like I have a story now that's being narrated by two different perspectives, but it's 
it's only told one at a time. Like there's sections and each section is clearly told by either one perspective or the other. And I'll use a slightly different vocabulary and slightly different sort of similes based on which character's perspective it is, because I know that their brains don't work the same way. They wouldn't think of the same things. So I, I think there is a big difference between the way I write and the way I speak. That having been said, I think on a subconscious level, there's probably a lot that's the same because I'm me and I'm myself and it's kind of hard to get out of your own brain. Yeah, I think I think we all, to a certain extent, like, I think even if you try your hardest to, you know, take out your own personal style and whatever, like, you're still, as you said, you're still in your own brain, right? So you're still going to focus on the things that you are interested in or on the language that you're interested in using. Like, I think, yes. To me, I think one of the styles of writing that I really like reading, like, as a reader, I like feeling like I'm being told a story. I like narration that is a bit quirky and very personal. I, I don't like style that is too perfect. I I've read books where like the style and the wording and everything is like impeccable. There's not one word that shouldn't be there. Do you know what I mean? Like whilst I definitely admire that as a skill and I think it's very admirable, it's not my favorite type of writing because I feel like for me personally, it kind of lacks imperfections. It lacks, um, you know, that kind of personal touch and that way that people have to tell stories sometimes. And so I think that's kind of what I aspire to when I'm writing is I try to still, I try to still be imperfect and yeah. I try to still have quirks that aren't necessarily mine per se, but that could be the characters. But I kind of like when things are imperfect and when the narration has like, you know, words maybe that aren't super precise or um, hesitations or like, you know, when people say something that they don't mean, etc. So I think that's something that I kind of work within the style and that is a little bit closer to not necessarily my own natural voice but like someone's natural voice do you know what I mean like some sort of character's uh, natural voice so I think I think that is something that I kind of aspire to I don't like it as I said when it's too perfect or that it clearly feels like someone wrote this that it's not uh, necessarily you know something that actually happened I liked I like maintaining that illusion so you like the idea of almost um, a story that sounds like an orally told story yeah almost yeah and not necessarily by myself but like by just by just you know the narrator or whatever so I think I think I kind of like that and it's something that I that I enjoy reading and as such that I kind of like writing sometimes. Uh, but I think it's, it's natural style in the way that, you know, it could belong to me, but it could also belong to character. Um, but I like maintaining that illusion that like, you know, this is just a character telling the reader a story. I kind of like that. But of course, you know, that mm -hmm. still, that still needs to be work, needs to be worked on because it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that like you can't really, even if you're trying to do that, you still need to work on it. You can't just be like, ah, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to write the, the exact way I speak. Yeah. It's a, it's a studied nonchalance. It's not real. Yeah. It's a study in nonchalance. So I think, um, I think it's still, it's still something that you 
need to work on, but it's a different kind of work, I guess. I think there's a few different styles that I could enjoy depending on how well they're well executed. But in terms of my own writing, I guess I like it to be very rhythmic and melodic. I like it for the sentences to sound nice when you read out loud. And I also like, I mean, I just like writing that's like very visual and immersive and really shows the kind of the setting even though, as we've learned on Tumblr today, apparently fan fiction writers don't talk about objects or settings or <laughs> view their work with symbolism. <laughs> but anyway, okay, despite all that, I, I like writing that's a little bit cinematic in the sense that it gives you almost kind of the exterior shot before the interior shot, and it gives you a sense of, of lighting and atmosphere. And I also like it when um, writers are careful in that when they use a simile, for example, they're not just using a word that is similar to the, the thing they're making a comparison to, but they're being careful about the positioning of that word and its associations near other words so that they're not necessarily, I don't know, like, for example, if you saw, like, something very large, I wouldn't necessarily compare it to a truck, even if it was the size of a truck, if maybe a better comparison would be an oak tree, let's say. Or a better comparison would be a whale. Or a better comparison would be a, a, a palace or something. Like, it it, it, it matters um, how you put words near other words and how those mm. um, associations affect one another. So this is um, from Fluorescent Gray's story, Minuet. And she writes... In the city which was above the sound and under another sound and containing another sound, the summer had long since ended and it had begun to rain, and it would rain now every day and night until May. There were few deciduous trees to lose their leaves in the growing chill. Everything just turned gray. The sky, the sea, the distant hills, and the lakes and the valleys, concrete, clothing, skin, and the green grew sharper. There were no more blackberries or lavender flowers, and the concert flyers wallpapering every telephone pole on Capitol Hill turned sodden, and the ink liquefied and ran to stain the sidewalk in great spilling violet-black pools. So what I want to point out here is the way that in the previous sentence you hear about blackberries, and in the next sentence you hear about the, link, the ink on the posters liquefying and staining the sidewalk in great violet-black pools, and the way that... Um, she doesn't she doesn't use a simile she doesn't she's not making a comparison and yet positioning the word blackberries so close to this idea of something staining the pavement in violet black pools creates this impression of like blackberry juice that i think it's 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 a really nicely done juxtaposition yeah it's beautiful like it's it's again it's very visual and it's Clearly, like, there's a lot of work going on with, like, choosing the right words and the word style, the style and the images and the, you know, the descriptors and stuff. I think, I think everything just works so well. Um, so I wonder, is there anything that you'd like to change or fix in your own style? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think what I need is, like, a, like a, a referee to call the whistle on when I'm t going too far. What do you mean? Like I, I, I really think, I, I think there should be like boundaries and somebody literally to blow the whistle when I get outside of the boundaries. Cause it just, you know, there's an amount that's the right amount and then there's something called too much. And I just, I just need like a, a coach to be willing to say it. But too much in terms of what? Uh, if you've read my writing, you'd probably know, but. <laughs> So, you know, there's there's a fine line between, like, just a, a, a fantastic line or a fantastic 
simile or something like that. And then too much. And maybe it's like, maybe a couple of them were good on their own, but you know, the amount of them is, is too much. So, I mean, certainly there is something called editing, which I've been trying to do. Um, but I, I, I almost just wish there was, sometimes I'm like, not sure, like, which one should I take out or which one was the one that crossed the line into being just a bit too much. And I kind of wish I, I could have total confidence in knowing which ones to take out or like exactly where the line of too much is. Cause, um, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to go into like being overly flowery or purple and yet I'm not willing to give up on all forms of description. So it's about balance, but I do wish somebody would, would stop me when it's time to stop. But see, I would challenge you on that because I think it's like, too much is always a like is always an adjective in comparison to something and i feel like for a lot of i'm sure for a lot of people who read your work like that's what they like about your style that's what they look for like they like your style because because it is the way it is and because you do make you know those descriptions and comparisons and, and you work a lot on your sentences and i think i don't think there's such a thing as too much there there might be such a thing as like someone who doesn't like that style and someone who like you know fair enough to them like I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't like my style um so I think there's definitely like too much in that way but you can't please everybody and if you please yourself and if that's what you like then go for it I just feel that you know I think people want to be polite and they don't want to say it to me but it would be so helpful if someone said listen I was into your story up until this point and then I read that sentence and that made me go uh uh and I closed it. You know, I want to know when a sentence is getting to the point where someone's closing the tab and going, it's not for me cuz like that that is the kind of stuff I want to get rid of, you know. But yeah, but again, I feel like if they're doing that, like if they're reading it and being like, okay, that's not for me, then it's it really is not for them. Like every again, like you your style and your work can't please everybody. So I, I just feel like, you know, if you're, there's no such thing as too much. If it, there's just like your own style and some people might not like it, then that's fair enough. Like, I'm sure a lot of people don't like my style, but I don't, that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop writing like that. Yeah, but like any, but any editor will tell you that like new writers need a lot of coaching in terms of what to cut. Well, yeah. Right. And like any editor will tell you that usually people need to cut more than they need to add. Yeah. Right. So like there is there is such a thing as too much. And like, I recognize that sometimes when I'm rereading, if it's been a long time, and I've not looked at it in a while, so I can come to it with fresh eyes. I'll be like that line that there that that ruined it. <laughs> I was just rereading one of my older things last night. And, and I was like, okay, finally, I'm, you know, I knew that when I was writing it, I was like getting a little bit lost in it with having re- seen it too many times and, and not being able to really edit it because I was just too close to it. But then yesterday I was reading and I was like, yeah, that, that one, I don't want, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see that. Um, yeah. So I guess that's, that's the thing that I think I need most is somebody to just be like, you know, that, that's not yeah. stop. But I also feel like that's one of the great things about fan fiction is being a little bit self-indulgent. Like I'm not trying when I'm writing, you know, when I'm writing fan fiction, I'm not trying to please an editor. I'm not trying to please anybody. I'm just trying to please myself. And, you know, that's why like I just released a chapter that was 22,000 words. Did it need to be 22,000 words? Probably not. But, you know, it was just 
you know, I'm trying to please myself and I'm trying to, you know, there's clearly some people who enjoy and that's great. And there's some people who don't and that's fine. Uh, but I think, you know, if you're, if you're going to be writing something that is for the goal of original writing and publishing and stuff, that's a different conversation because obviously you need to market yourself and you need to please an editor and you need to obey per certain standards and stuff. But I feel like the sort of beauty of fan fiction is that you get a lot more leeway and you you're allowed to self-indulge a little bit i think with fan fiction i mean sure but if you want to grow your audience then you kind of have to be a little more aware of what is you know getting in the way of, of attracting people to your work because they read some of your most cringeworthy sentences which can we both agree we've both written cringe oh yeah 100 percent. and i'm just like you know some of that cringe i want to get rid of it <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to turn the question on you now, Joe. What do you wish you could fix or change about your own style? I don't think there's like anything major. I think it's more on like a sentence level when I'm editing. There are certain things that I'm changing and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, why did you write this? <laughs> when you're editing, what is the thing you most often catch yourself and go, oh my God? Um, too wordy dialogue. You mean like? The dialogue is too long. Yeah, too too much, too too many words in a dialogue line. Like I ended up every time I edit, I cut down like half of what the characters say because I feel like I'm just I I tend to like be very verbose in dialogue, and I know that, so I just like cut it out when I edit. But I feel like you know I'm always having people like kind of articulating their point too much <laughs> and then I'm like no you need like you need to rein that in because that's just boring um so I think I think that's that's one thing but I don't I don't think it's like something that I would want to fix because I'm obviously aware of it I do edit it out like I don't th it doesn't even feel painful when I'm editing out like it's not like you when you're saying oh I don't know what no. to take out or whatever like when I'm editing that I just I know what I need to take out I'm like oh why did you write this but yeah, I don't think there's like anything major. It's mostly just editing. And there's there's stories in which I kind of work on a particular thing. So I know that for Castles, for instance, one of the things that I kind of said to myself when I started writing Castles was I don't want to use, to use page breaks. So like, you know, the little like dot, dot, dot. And then like, mm -hmm. I didn't because... I had my entire writing life, I had been writing with like, a lot. do you know that trend of like the 2010s where you, we put page breaks like almost every line or whatever? Uh, uh, yes. Was... To like to not even to indicate a time jump, but to add emphasis to the yeah. line that was like in between the two page so breaks. So I still, I, I, like I still, and in fairness, like I still kind of love that in certain fix. Isn't that the like five things yeah. era? So in certain five plus one. <laughs> so in certain <laughs> fix, I still like doing that. Like I definitely do it in like roar and stuff, and like the fault and fault manufacturing. And sometimes it's fun. But I was like for castles, I was like I want to do something different. So I was like I'm not going to use page breaks because I also wanted to force myself to work on my transitions, which I hadn't mm -hmm. really done in the past. So sometimes I'll dedicate certain projects to like certain something you know that I've identified and I'm like oh I mm -hmm. want to work on that but I don't think there's like a thing that I want to fix just like generally speaking um oh this next one is a fun question so how would Joe characterize Lanny's style and how would Lanny characterize Joe's style here's the thing I don't really have words for it like I'm not I'm not educated in literature apparently considering my Tumblr definitely <laughs> not 
um so i don't really have words for it but i would say i would say it's very vivid and like lots of loads of images like i remember noticing this especially in the scene between which was the first fic that i read from you where like i still remember this idea of like petunia opening the fridge and her getting you know like for the fresh air and i still i remember i remember a lot of that like and also very good at like capturing i don't know if that's a specific style but very good at like capturing what it's like to be a teenager and you know kind of writing in that mood and and being able to really communicate that to the reader I felt like that was that that was one of the things that I I really noticed but yeah very vivid and loads of images I think which is what stood out to me you know mm-hmm. I I think I would describe your work as sort of kind of spiraling in nature sort of spiraling into the key scene in a in a chapter rather than telling the story in a chronological way you kind of go back and forth and you'll mm. you'll return to the same place numerous times with digressions and kind of get closer and closer to the point each time and and def- definitely very conversational and it does feel very sort of irish inflected like by that like sort of oral storytelling history i know you're not actually from ireland but um mm. i definitely see that influence and definitely more focused on getting to the dialogue and dis- and sort of summarizing and then moving on yeah. rather than like sort of link- like you don't linger in a scene for a long time. You sort of get to the point and then move on and then you might come back to it later. So it seems like, you know, if I wrote 5,000 words of text and you wrote 5,000 words of text, your story might be said over the course of a year and my story might be like one scene, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, maybe that maybe that's an exaggeration, but I mean, I think we have a different sense of pacing. I think you're a little bit more like brisk. You're moving it along, and I'm more like lingering in in various different shots: the exterior shot, the interior, the over the shoulder, the like close up on the detail. Whereas you're almost more of a more of like a staged, like a theater. Like you're like a straight play, and I'm like a musical. You know, like you make the point to move on. I'm like let's. Let's linger here. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I, it's funny what you're saying because I think it definitely goes to my point about like the feeling that I have is like loads of images and loads of descriptions and loads of movement and stuff because that's kind of what I get from your writing as well. So I think it's true. Um, but yeah, I like the way that you said like I kind of spiral into a scene and then I spiral out and then I get back in. Like I, I really like playing with narrative that isn't just chronological mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I enjoy most in writing actually is like I remember I think it was and we'll talk about it later but I think it was my first beta who said to me like time is a social construct if time doesn't suit you in fiction change it and I was kind of like ooh, and and so I think that's kind of how I've seen a lot of the style and a lot of the work, the works that I've done since then, where it's like, I want to focus on like the moments that suits me. And then, you know, I'll spiral in and then like 10, maybe a hundred words later or something, I'll spiral back in because that element is actually now interesting. And so I think, yeah, that's definitely something that I kind of like to play with. And that's, I think that's in most of my works, like the, this idea of it not necessarily being entirely chronological. Um, so I wanted to go on to ask us, um, which fan fiction writers, fanfic only, no original writers, 
have influenced our style the most. Yeah, so I was gonna, I was kind of talking about that there. Um, so fanfic, those people, <laughs> those are not going to be interested to most of our uh, audience because those are not Harry Potter authors. They're the Good Wife authors. But I think uh, my former beta or By the Sea influenced me so much in both like reading her stuff and really admiring her admiring her as a writer and also in like the way that she bettered my works obviously and the way the feedback that she gave me and the stuff that I've kind of kept like as I said you know time is a social construct is one of them and all that so I think her style and her feedback definitely very much influenced me um another writer in the Good Wife fandom, which I've talked, who I've talked about in the past, uh, called Low Rise Flare, uh, really influenced me as well. I think she's one of those people who are very like to the point, as you're saying, and kind of like don't linger in a scene, just make make the point of the scene and go, move on. And I think that's something that I caught from them. And I think recently one of the authors that I've kind of learned from is also Dirge with that music which I've talked about before but I really like especially the way they work on like their transitions and the way they transition in and out of scenes and the way they kind of signpost certain either places or dates or things to kind of move action along and I think that's definitely something that I've taken inspire like inspiration from and that I uh, integrated in my most recent fix and specifically castles but what about you um firstly i think we might actually have to make a whole episode on transitions because i feel like people struggle with that and i think we could both have a lot to say on that mm. and maybe give some examples so transitions is a, an idea for another episode um i'm mainly influenced by i i like to think that i've my style is a combination of the influence of every writer i've ever read in my whole life like I really I really like to think that everybody had one small piece of it and nobody mm. had all of all of the influence but each little piece is somebody something I I took from somebody else in terms of description of the landscape and in terms of the way she's able to describe I'm just going to have to say it emotional torment <laughs> and pain uh fluorescent gray um for plotting I really like Tujor Padfoot's story run I've never read anything else by this person. Only that one story that she kind of dropped a masterpiece and like dipped. <laughs> like, um, I mean, she wrote other stuff, but it was all like pairings and stuff that wasn't of any interest to me. But then she has this one story that's like her master masterpiece of like a hundred thousand words and then goodbye. Very iconic move to do that. <laughs> um, otherwise, I would say, you know, there's probably people I read years ago as like a teenager who I don't even remember who they are, but they probably influenced me. So thank you to those people who I don't even know, who probably affected me a lot. And most importantly, thank, thank you to every bad writer, especially on FFNet, who like taught me what I didn't want to do. Because mm. honestly, like knowing how you don't want to sound is a big part of knowing how you do want to sound. So there's yeah. definitely things that I learned not to do like using too many epithets which is when you say like the smaller man rose and picked up the coffee cup i i learned not to use epithets from <laughs> those writers the the one the one exception i'll make for an epithet that's acceptable is referring to the king as the king which i do because that's like people in real life would actually refer to a king like by his title like that but other otherwise i am not big on epithets even though apparently if you're homer it's okay to do homer is like an ffnet writer he's like huge huge on repeating himself describing how good looking characters are 
and then like using epithets based on how good looking the characters are. So yeah. what an icon of fan fiction! Like we we eternally stand. Yeah, R- rest in peace. What would you say, Joe? No, I definitely agree. Same thing. Exactly what you said about like also stuff that you don't want to do. Being a huge first of all, like reading a fic that you like vehemently disagree with is such good ex- inspiration because that will get me to write a fic where like no that is my point and that is what I want to say so I think yeah writing like first of all like just disagreeing with something but also uh you know in terms of style yeah definitely like I read and I like that is one of the biggest advice I would actually give to someone who's trying to build their style is read bad fanfiction like try and read as bad a fanfiction as you can find because the thing is and and I mean by bad I mean like stuff that you don't like it's not necessarily that like other people wouldn't like it but it's just bad as in you don't like it and and look at the way that is written and be like okay I want to do the opposite and I think that is definitely one of the things that I've done that I did when I was younger but yeah it's also interesting what you were saying about like you know teenage like writers that you've read as a teenager and that you know might have an influence on you and you didn't realize it because I recently went through that because coming back to The Good Wife as a fandom I started reading because I was kind of re-watching the show and I was like oh let me just read reread like my favorite fix and stuff and I was rereading my favorite fix and I was like man I really took a lot from those like I was kind of looking at it and I was thinking to myself there's a lot of things in those fix that I took that I didn't even realize I took but like wordings or the way or pacing or things that I hadn't I hadn't even realized and then I'm like oh now now I do that and I know where it's from so I think yeah you do pick up like certain things even though you don't necessarily recognize it and I think that's good I think that's I think that's the point really um so we got a couple of questions about style in our inbox and which we wanted to address so the first one came from an anonymous source and they said wondering if you can address each of your methods for creating the style of an individual story that might feel very different from another while still falling under the umbrella of your style as a writer are there things you always try to keep consistent uh, little stylistic choices that can reliably be found in all your works no matter the setting or tone I feel like those can help establish a writer's unique voice but I'm wondering what you both think or if you think that even matters um No, I think it does matter to be aware of, you know, one story does not have to, like, all your stories don't need to sound the same. And it would also almost not be fun for me to not change it up each time. So I definitely set different Mm -hmm. parameters. And again, a lot of it's based on, like, what would this character notice and what would they not notice? What is within the universe Mm -hmm. of their perception and what is outside of it? So, you know, when I'm writing from the perspective of, like, a nine-year-old girl, her outlook on life her perception of the way things look around her is very different because she sees everything around her as like something you could potentially use as a toy or a place to play pretend, you know, rather than just, you know, if I'm writing Mm -hmm. from the perspective of like a soldier, then the way he looks at an environment is like, what is going to give me cover? Like, what can I hide behind? You know, like what's going to conceal my position? That's a completely different outlook. So just thinking about like, what would it make sense for your characters to notice? And then also you can like formally ask yourself, am I going to mention brand names? Am I going to mention names of real celebrities from real life? Or am I not going to do it? 
am I going to use different vocabulary for things in the way that sort of, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Philip Homan does in his Dark Materials, where because it's set in a kind of alternate universe version of this world, he has different terms for things that are scientific, like anbaric instead of electric, for example. So he's developed a really unique style that makes sense based on that particular universe, but if he was writing a different universe, he wouldn't be using those words. I think all of my stories definitely have things in common. I think for us writers, it's a lot easier to tell uh, what is in common or not in all of our stories. But I know that, for instance, I have... So this might be like a revelation for some people who were in fandom back then. Uh, But Or by the Sea, who was my beta in The Good Wife, actually did that test of like she posted... So she was kind of big-ish in the fandom. Like I think one of her fics is like the most kudoed in fandom or whatever. And she released a fic under a pseudonym to kind of see if people would pick up on it and see if you know, they would recognize that it was written by her. And mostly they didn't. Like there were a couple of people who were like, oh, this sounds like Or By The Sea. But generally speaking, people liked it, but they kind of, they didn't pick up on it. And I think for us writers, it's a lot easier to kind of identify our own, our own style rather than for other people. But this being said, yeah, I do think there's like stuff in my writing that is consistent. I also think, you know, there's stuff that, as you said, you need to make sound different because you're narrating from a different character's perspective. So for instance, like I think the style of Sunson Kurikayu, which is the Fleur fic, is quite different from the style that I wrote the Seamus fic in because I was very intent on making Sunson Kurikayu sound like Fleur, you know, that I wanted it to be written in like correct English, but I also wanted it to sound like Fleur and like someone who speaks English as a second language. Um, and so I think, you know, there was, there, there were certain things that I kind of tweaked in that fix. So I think, yeah, they're, they're different, but there are similarities. I don't think in terms of the similarities, I don't think it's particularly conscious. Um, I think it's just, you know, my style. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's like, I think it's more the differences that are conscious. I think the similarities are just things that make us the kind of writers that we are. Yeah, I think there's things that come through no matter what you do, because it it, it is who you are. And like, there will always be that consistency. But I would say like, don't work so hard to be like, what is my style? Like, no matter what you write, there will be a style to it. You you have, it's like saying, what is my handwriting? Like, if you write something yeah. down, you have handwriting, you know? And it's also, and I think one of the things, is, it's also normal for your style to change as you change yourself. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in common from the way I wrote 10 years ago to now, because obviously I'm the same person. I haven't become a completely different person. So there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. Some of it is like writing quote unquote better, but a lot of it is also just you change as a person. And so the things that you focus on, the word choices that you make, the way that you look at a certain scene might change. And I think that's perfectly normal. And that's part of growing both as a human and as a writer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I get, you know, be prepared for your writing to change and not necessarily even get it getting better, just changing because you're, you know, you're interested in a different thing now than you were before. 
Yeah. And so the last question that we had uh, was from Taranga, our faithful listener. Thank you very much. Um, who said on style, I am curious about the ways in which you find folks uh, walk the line between exploring and appreciating the styles of others, both through your own reading and through the beta process and finding a style that is entirely your own. Uh, yeah, I don't, I think this was something I worried about more when I was starting to write as a teenager, but I, I don't think I really worry about it because I know that I don't sound identical to anyone because I'm not influenced by one person, but by many people. So I think take inspiration from all the writers you love, not just mm -hmm. your number one favorite, but you know, everyone, every book you read teaches you, let's say one thing about writing, one thing you liked, you know, I don't write in the style of Stephen King. I don't try to sound like him. But certainly, you know, if I, I really love the book It, so I probably learned at least one thing from him about, you know, maybe how to write something disgusting. Maybe when I write something disgusting, I'm drawing on what I know from Stephen King. And maybe when I write something that is, you know, touching on the idea of misogyny, that's mm -hmm. when I'm borrowing from Margaret Atwood, even though I'm not trying to imitate her style. And, you know, so like you draw on all the writers you've loved and eventually that becomes what your voice is because nobody in the world has said, has read the exact same combination of books that you have. Like it's not, it's not possible. So I would say that, you know, you, you draw, you take a little bit from everyone instead of taking everything from one person. Yeah. And I think, I also think like trying to sound like a particular writer you like is a natural part of growing as a writer. Like I think when, when you're not when you're young, but when you're like starting out, you're always finding this like one writer that you're getting obsessed with and you want to sound like them and then you find another writer writer that you're obsessed with and then you start you want to start like you don't want to sound like them and this accumulates like Lani's just said in order to create your style like but I think it's a very natural step within that transition to be obsessed with someone and try and sound like them um and I don't necessarily think that's bad also you, like I'm sorry to say this but you're never gonna sound like the person that you liked you're always gonna sound like you 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 can you can try your hardest but you, you can get to a point where you're sounding you're sounding a little bit like them but you're always gonna sound like you it's always gonna be your own style even though it's similar to someone else's but you know it, it's a little bit like plots or whatever like the, nothing is entirely new so you're always going to be sounded like sounding like someone else, but you're also always going to be unique. So I think it's, you know, I don't think it's something you need to worry about too much because it's part of your growth as a writer. And also it's normal to sound like other people. Like I'm sure I sound like other people I'm not even aware of uh, because it's just, it, it just kind of happens. So I think truly, I don't think it's something that you need to worry about too much. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, well, this was a very interesting episode. Uh, thank you, Lani. Do you have any recommendations for us at this stage? Um, I've been reading the fix of a writer named Kim Bean, K-I-M-B-E-E-N. And so I've been reading her Maurice uh, stories. Other than that, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm taking a little break right now before I continue on with reading The Mask of Apollo. Um, so yeah, I want to recommend the fix of Kim Bean on AO3. And um, this is Joe from the future. I did not have any recommendations to make when we recorded that episode, but I do now, especially because I think it's quite topical to what was going on 
on the internet for me when uh, we recorded this episode, which we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, so I'm going to recommend to you the sixth and final episode of the third series of Black Mirror, which is called Hatred in the Nation. If you have not seen Black Mirror, you don't have to see the rest of the show to watch that episode. Every episode of Black Mirror is independent from the other. And I wanted to recommend this uh, because the Black Mirror, the sixth season of Black Mirror is just coming out now. So if you like this, maybe you can pick up the rest of the show later. And I wanted to recommend that episode because it has been uh, haunting me for three years. It's one of those kinds of media that has truly, I wouldn't say changed my outlook on the world and on the internet in particular, but put into words certain feelings that I had that I personally didn't have the words for. And I think I watched this episode once. I watched it like four years ago, three years ago, whenever it came out. And it has not left my head. I think about it at least once a month. And I thought about it a lot when I was receiving all that hate and those death threats on Tumblr um, last month. And so I think it can be uh, very useful to certain people. Back to the episode. Okay, Lani, where can we find you online? I remain at copper-dust on both AO3 and Tumblr. And I am Pablisen on AO3 and Tumblr as well. You can find the podcast if you have any feedback, suggestions for topics for next episodes, etc. Our ask box is open. You can find us on the fanficwriterscraft.tumblr.com. And if you want to help finance the podcast, you can find us on co-feed.com forward slash the fanficwriterscraft. Um, it helps us pay for our hosting fees. Okay, Lani, thank you so much. This was lovely. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. I'm going to get back to answering all the hate I got during those that hour <laughs> that just passed. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. And on that very positive note, this concludes the first half of our second season here at the Fanfic Writers Craft. As I said at the top of the show, we are now going on a break. But we promise this is a break, not the end, and we will be back in early September. For the summer, I personally will definitely be off, but Lani may record a couple of guest episodes if she finds the time. I also wanted to let you know that in order to make this podcast more accessible, I am currently working on writing and uploading transcripts to AO3. I'm not sure when that will happen, but we will keep our Tumblr updated, so please make sure to follow us there. Thank you all so much for all the support, feedback, questions, and downloads throughout this first half of the year. Thank you to all of our wonderful guests. This podcast is very much a passion project, and our small but dedicated following is definitely what keeps us running. I hope you have a wonderful summer, and we will see you in September.